Well, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, which is a time where we hear different stories about how God revealed who Jesus was. Starting on Wednesday, with Ash Wednesday, we're going to be entering into the season of Lent. And throughout Lent, we're going to be encouraging you to bring your own Bibles from home, uh, to follow along during the sermons as we look at different passages, and to use your Bibles, to underline, to write in the margins, that sort of thing. Uh, A Bible that is well-worn and marked up is a Bible that is close to your heart to become more and more familiar with God's Word. Uh, So today, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to get them out. Or if you don't have them with you, grab one of the blue pew Bibles in front of you. We're going to start by looking at the beginning of the Gospel reading for today, Mark 9. Now, it's interesting. Our reading today starts with verse 2. It begins by saying, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Well, if it says after six days, I want to know what happened before that. What happened six days earlier? Right before this, Jesus had been talking with his disciples and asking them who people said that he was. And Peter said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And when Jesus started telling them what that would mean, He said, I'm going to go through suffering and death and be raised on the third day. And anyone who wants to follow me needs to take up their cross and follow me. And he said right at the very end there, the the first verse of chapter 9, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. And then immediately, Mark says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, some of those who had been standing right there with him up a mountain. And there on the mountaintop, Jesus was transfigured before them. He was shining with the glory and power of God. This was God's kingdom, a glimpse of God's kingdom coming. The disciples got a glimpse of who Jesus really was, God's own Son. They were terrified by God's presence. They had no idea what was happening. Peter stammered something. He tried to address the occasion, but he stumbled over his words. His first reaction was to try and build something. He wanted to build three shelters or booths. Now, why on earth would he want to build shelters? put up tents. It's like he wanted to make temporary dwellings or little houses for each of the three honored guests, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He wanted to stay there on the mountaintop to make the moment last, to give it some permanence. Isn't that the case in our lives, too? So often we want to stay on the mountain. Whenever we have a a mountaintop experience in our lives, Uh, a time when we have a strong sense of God's presence. We want to hold on to it. Whether it was a time at summer camp or on a retreat or a gathering like the youthquake that a bunch of our youth went to a few weeks ago. A time when God rescued you from the depths of sorrow or despair. 
Or maybe for you it was just simply watching a particularly glorious sunset or relaxing in a beautiful spot in nature. You wish that the moment could somehow last forever. I once climbed a mountain with the cross-country team from Luther College. We went out to Colorado for some high-altitude training uh, to Rocky Mountain National Park, and we climbed Long's Peak, which is on the Colorado Quarter from a few years ago. It was an all-day hike, seven and a half miles each way, and a 4,000-foot climb. We had to start early in the morning because we had to be off the summit before the afternoon thunderstorms rolled in. So we had to run up a forest path in the moonlight, and then we scrambled through an enormous boulder field, you know, clambering over all these boulders, and then watched the sun come up through a gap called the keyhole. Then we edged along a narrow trail along the edge of a cliff, (laughs) and then The last part, we had to climb up a long slab of rock called the home stretch and finally emerged up on top. And this is what we saw. This huge flat plateau, several football fields of just flat rock. It was an incredible view. We could see for miles all the way back to the town where we had started in Estes Park. It was an exhilarating moment. We had conquered the mountain. We had made it. We rested for a while. We kind of drank in the scenery, took some pictures, but we couldn't stay on top of the mountain. There's nothing there but rocks. We had to go back down to the valley because our life was down there. It's the same with other mountaintop experiences in our lives. You can't stay at the retreat. The week at camp comes to an end. The sunset fades. You have to go home from vacation. We can't stay on the mountain because God has work for us to do in the valley. He calls us to work for His kingdom, His rule in our lives, our families, and our communities. I wonder if maybe another reason that Peter wanted to build the shelters was to commemorate the occasion. Even after the moment was past, they'd be able to look at those shelters every time they went up the mountain and remember what had happened. The Israelites often put up markers to remember events by. When two tribes made a covenant or a treaty, they would set up a pile of stones as a witness, as a reminder to the treaty. When Jacob woke up from his dream about the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder to heaven, he set up a stone, the one that he had slept on, as a marker. And later he built an altar there. When the Israelites crossed into the promised land, they set up a pile of stones in the middle of the river to mark the spot so that they would remember what God had done. What marker stones have you set up in your life? Has there been a significant moment that changed your relationship with God? An event or an experience where God broke into your life? Maybe for you it was a moment of revelation when everything became clear and suddenly you knew what you needed to do. Maybe you finally experienced God's love 
in a personal way or took hold of your faith for yourself. It wasn't just your parents' faith anymore, but it was yours. That's what we hope that each of our faith stepping stones are for our young families and their kids. Baptism, my Bible, confirmation, graduation, the Holy Communion classes that we have during May. They're helpful reference points, stepping stones along the way, across the river of childhood, that remind us of what God has done in our lives. But sometimes we can get too focused on the things that we set up. We get enamored with the work of our own hands. It's interesting. We don't even know for sure which mountain Jesus went up. Uh, It doesn't say in Scripture. It possibly could have been Mount Tabor, which has kind of been labeled the official transfiguration of Jesus' site. Peter never built his shelters. We don't know where, where it would have been. But centuries later, the Greek Orthodox Church built a monastery there. And in the 1920s, the Catholic Church built the impressive Church of the Transfiguration on top of the ruins of some older churches that had been built there. In those two towers, they have different chapels, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Boy, have we outdone Peter. Forget putting up a couple of shacks on the mountain. Let's build a whole church. Let's build two of them. That'll sure commemorate the occasion. Was that what God had in mind? I don't think so. He interrupted Peter's building plans with a thick cloud. The cloud shone with the glory of God, just as it had on Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. On that mountain, Jesus was talking with Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses had been up a different mountain before, Mount Sinai. Take your Bibles and go to the front, to past Genesis to Exodus chapter 19. This is where that happened. After using Moses to deliver his people from Egypt, God brought them to Mount Sinai. Our reading from today talked about how God descended in power upon the mountain. There was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And then in chapter 20, God gave Moses his word for the people, he gave them the Ten Commandments guidelines to shape their life together. God called Moses up the mountain in chapter 24 and gave him the stone tablets with commandments on it. And then in chapter 32, God sent Moses back down to deal with his rebellious people. The people had turned away. They you know, thought Moses was good and gone and they didn't know what had become of him, so they thought, we need a different God that will lead us. And so they made a golden calf to worship. And Moses was so angry when he saw it that he took the tablets of the Ten Commandments and he smashed them. He became the first person to break all Ten Commandments at once. (laughs) And then he took that golden calf and he beat it and pulverized it into powder and spread it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. (laughs) 
So their golden calf ended up in the latrine. Then in chapter 33, Moses went back up the mountain, got ten more commandments, new stone tablets, and asked God to show him his glory. Quite a request. And God told him, no one can see me and live. So I'll put you in a little cleft of the rock here and I'll make my glory pass before you, but I'll cover you up with my hand. And then as once I am past you, then you will see my backside. In my study Bible, it says that in a sense, Moses' prayer that God would reveal to him his glory was finally answered on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he shared a vision, however brief, of the Lord's glory with three of Jesus' disciples and Elijah. Now, Elijah had been on mountains before as well. If you'll turn to 1 Kings 18, Elijah had kind of a contest with the prophets of Baal, this false god that many of the Israelites had been worshiping. He said, let's have a contest on top of Mount Carmel, the high holy mountain for all of the Baal worshipers. And he challenged them. We'll each build an altar. We'll put a sacrifice on it. You'll call on your God, I'll call on mine. And whichever God answers with fire from heaven is the true God. And the Baal worshippers danced around their altar and gashed themselves and did all these things, calling out to their God and no answer. And Elijah prayed over his altar, which he had had them pour water over and over and over. And God answered in fire that consumed the sacrifice, licked up all the water in the trench, and burned even the stones of the altar to dust. It was a triumphant moment. Elijah called the people back to the one true God. He had all of the prophets of Baal put to the sword. And yet he came down from that mountain and immediately Queen Jezebel threatened his life. She said, I'm going to do the same thing to you that you did to my prophets. And Elijah ran for his life. He fled out into the wilderness. He ended up on Mount Sinai, on the mountain of God. And he hid in a cave. And there God appeared to him. God sent a violent wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was a great earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there came a still small voice, or in the Hebrew it says, a deafening silence. The sound of crushed silence. And Elijah knew that God was there. And so he came out of the cave and wrapped himself in his cloak. And God said again, What are you doing here, Elijah? God called him out. God was saying, you may think that you're all washed up, running for your life, but you still have work to do. I'm not done with you yet. 
he sent Elijah back to work to speak his word. Hundreds of years later, at the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared, speaking with Jesus, the giver of the law and the greatest of the prophets. All of Scripture points to Jesus. The whole story culminates in Him. The disciples were terrified. They were confused by what they saw. They didn't know what to do. They wanted to capture the moment, stay on the mountain. But just before going up the mountain with them, Jesus had asked them who people thought He was. Peter said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus started telling them what that would mean. That He would suffer and die and rise again. And Peter took Him aside and said, Lord, that can't happen to You. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. But Jesus rebuked him and said, you are setting your mind on human things, not the things of God. Peter didn't understand what being Messiah would involve for Jesus. He was all focused on the glory and the power. But there on the mountain, God interrupted and said, this is my Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. On Mount Sinai, God had given Moses ten commandments. On this mountain, God gave Jesus' disciples one commandment. Listen to my Son. In the Greek, that word listen has an ongoing meaning. It says, keep on listening to Him. Keep on doing what He says. When the cloud of God's majestic presence lifted, they saw only Jesus. God wants us to see only Jesus. To focus only on Him. The Word become flesh. Jesus didn't stay on the mountaintop. He went down to deal with the demons in the valley and to go to His death. Jesus told His disciples, tell no one what you have seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. People will get the wrong idea. The world's not ready for this. You're not ready for this. Peter, James, and John had seen Jesus raise a girl from the dead. And yet, as they were coming down the mountain and Jesus was telling them this, they wondered what rising from the dead could mean. A while later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked the same three guys to watch with Him and to pray But they all fell asleep and ran away after He was arrested. The next day, Jesus was taken up another hill. Mount Calvary, or Golgotha. Skull Hill. And that is where God's glory was truly shown. In Jesus' suffering and death. God's power was made perfect, not in glory, but in weakness. 
You see, Jesus died to destroy the power of death. The disciples finally understood when Jesus was raised. Then they told everyone. We're here today because they spread the good news. They spread the word about who Jesus truly was. Jesus had told them as they were coming down, don't say anything to anyone until the right time. The time is now. We are to speak of who Jesus is and what He has done in our lives. Sometimes God takes us up a mountain to show us something, to encourage us in our walk, to give us a glimpse of the path ahead or a glimpse of who He is. He speaks a word into us and sends us to share it. God gives us these mountaintop moments to encourage us along the way. He equips us to go back into the valleys. But He doesn't send us alone because Jesus goes with us. Don't focus on your own plans or try to capture the moment. God most of all wants us to listen to Jesus, to focus on Him. So immerse yourself in His Word. Get caught up in the story. Take comfort in His promises and His presence. And then go into the valleys. Jesus will be with you. Amen.